that again. Just show us your glory. sacrifice to you, God. All that we are, God. All that we desire to be in you, Jesus. We just want to see your glory, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His presence is here, church. I don't think it ever left from this morning. Because he's not done. God doesn't, I'm so glad God doesn't operate in like times of day where he goes, oh wait, it's Sunday morning. Now I'm going to show up. And it's Sunday night, so I'll show up in a lesser degree because it's Sunday night. You know, they just got a portion of me this morning. I think they've got all they can have. Have you gotten all that you can have? No, because you're back. And you know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at the Marines of the church right now. These are the special forces, the the proud, the the faithful. That's what I'm looking at right now, right? The special forces of the army of God. And he's not done with us yet, church. I feel like this morning was confirmation um, for what God has given me and I know he's given me something. I know he's given me something. And so I hope it's for you. I can't say emphatically it's for everyone, but I know it's for someone. And you'll find out who you are as we begin. So let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm chapter 57. I want to take a minute here while you're turning in your Bibles to give honor to my covering and my my protection as I stand in front of you. Um, I know my place. I am a woman in ministry, and I am nothing without the covering of the men in my life. And so I give honor to my husband, first and foremost. Thank you for letting me be up here, because that's a that means a lot to me. And then to my pastor and brother and my bishop and father. I am blessed. I am so blessed by these three men in my life. And they admonish me and help me and correct me and dig into the word with me and bounce things. We bounce things off each other. And I'm just so thankful for that. And I wouldn't be up here if they weren't okay with it. 
And so I thank them all for giving me clearance to minister. Amen. Psalm 57. And I brought my Bible up here. I I normally don't do that, but I wanted it with me tonight. Psalm 57 and 7. Verse 7, I'm just going to read. It says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. I'm going to read that one more time. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. And I'm going to apologize to you ahead of time. Tonight, I'm really emotional. And I don't know why, but God does. This scripture has been like a beating drum in my ears all week long. And maybe even beyond that, because I read it a while back. But I could hear this and hear this and hear this. And it, it is for someone tonight. And I just want to pray because I want to be sensitive to the Spirit. I have notes up here, but God's been just messing with me all day about how to go about this. And so I want to I follow Him. And so let's just pray. Jesus, I ask you, God, that you would be here, that your voice would be so clear, God, because, Lord, the time is growing so short. I feel that and I know, I know if we're filled with your spirit, each one of us feels the growing time and the shortening of the time. And God, what you're doing in these closing moments is you're poisoning the church and you're calling us out and you're wanting us to fix our eyes on you because you're going to lead us. You're going to do things that we can't even imagine. And I want to be part of it, God. I want to be part of it, God. That's my cry tonight. And so I ask, Lord, that you would poise us, posture us to hear from you tonight. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start tonight the way God asked me to start. I had a different idea of what I wanted to say to begin here tonight, but recently I shared a story about when I was young, and my dad was called to start this church when I was probably 12, Um, and we didn't come straight to New Berlin. We Um, embarked on journeys out to Hartford where my uncle was starting a church just so we could kind of get our feet wet and see what home missions was all about. So my dad was going to be helping him and we would take, I don't know, Hartford is about maybe a 40-minute drive from New Berlin and we would take drives out there and sometimes be traveling home really late at night. Um, on, in the midweek services, because we'd go out there for their midweek services as well. And I remember one of those car rides, and actually many of those car rides stand out to me. There was a lot of fun that we had in the car on those trips. Um, but 
one of the car rides, you know, and I know we were driving home in midweek because the sky was dark and the moon was out and it was this full, bright moon. And I was just sitting in the back seat of the car and I was looking out the window and I just had this overwhelming desire to just tell God, I want you to use me. And I don't know what that means, but I want to I wanna pursue you. And I was, you know, getting ready to be a teenager. And before that, God had given me dreams and spoken to me about my calling. And I knew, I knew I could feel him. But for some reason that night, I, had, I wanted to voice it to him. And I can still see the moon, and I can still feel the feeling that I felt. It was so real. When I said, God, pick me. Pick me because I won't let you down. And then, you know, life kind of starts to happen. And I had moments in altar calls, and I was blessed to go to a Christian school, and there was just all kinds of really cool things that I got to be a part of as a young teenage girl. And a lot of that, Matt, you can attest to it, Carlinville's, and all the awesome preaching we heard, and just you're so full of God. Um, and then you get distracted. Has anyone ever been there where you, you know, you maybe have your eyes on something, and then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, what's over there? What's going on over there? And you're not as focused on, on what you originally intended to do. And I had a, a lot of those moments in my life as well. And so I'm not standing here and saying that that 12-year-old girl in that car just completely was fixated and, and nothing ever went awry and nothing ever went wrong. There were things that distracted me but it's, there's always been this yearning. And I don't know if anyone can relate with that in here tonight, but the scripture that I just read to you um, from Psalm 57 and verse 7 is actually a, a psalm that David wrote while he was on the run from Saul. And he was actually in a cave of all places saying these words. And if you read the whole entirety of Psalm 57, David goes in and out. It's a short psalm. He goes in and out of stating his problem and then praising God. Stating his problem and then praising God. And I actually chuckled as I was reading it because I was like, it's kind of neat because it's like David lays his problems next to his God and he realizes that there's a size difference, right? So he's going, okay, here's my problem. Here's my God. Here's my problem. Here's my God, right? But he can only say that because of experiences, because of time invested. You don't know anything about God if you don't have a story to tell. And so the story I just told you now is my story. But I bet if I pass this mic around the room, everybody in here has a story. And some of your stories I have heard, right? And it's personal to you. It's personal 
to you. God has made a difference in your life through a series of events and, and processes. And so what, I, what I'm going to bring to you tonight is, is talking about fixing your eyes on the prize. And Brother Rico helped me out here tonight. Thank you, Brother Rico. But David had his eyes on the prize, the purpose, the reason for which God had made him. His heart was actually fixed to that, fixed to the God calling, desperate for that story to be played out in his life. David wanted that more than he wanted anything. He wanted God's purpose for his life. You see, to be fixed is to be steadfast, dependable, true to the purpose, no matter what happens. Steadfastness actually grows in your life through challenge. I'm going to say that again. Steadfastness only grows in your life through challenges that you face. Because think about it this for a minute. It's easy to hang on to something when there's no wind, no rain, no suffering, no pain, no problems, no worries, no stress. You're just like, I got this. And you're just kind of moving along. But it's when something contrary comes against you that you got you to gotta hold on for dear life so that you don't lose it, right? And it's in the struggle that you get to see who God really is. He shows up for you. Every one of us have a story of him showing up for us. I like this. You see, David was actually flexible with the approach God had in mind, but he was determined upon the destination. So think about that for a minute. David's anointed king. He's got this promise of, of the kingdom. And he goes back out into the sheep field for a long time. That sat in his heart. Oh, I've been anointed king. I'm next. I'm next. And he's having these run-ins with Saul. And I was reading, I'm reading through all this stuff. I mean, it, you, you can't go at one chapter in Samuel without, and Saul was trying to kill David. And Saul was trying to kill, and Saul went, and this is his father-in-law. There's broken promises. There's just all this stuff that he has around him. I mean, he had some family problems. Who doesn't have family problems, right? We all have family problems. But David had them in spades. And so he's probably sitting in the cave, scratching his head going, why? What did I do wrong? How, how, how have I failed? How, how have I messed up somehow? Right? And so we see the purpose and the plan for God wasn't probably what David had in mind. David's like, I'll just, you know, I'll be waiting, and then one day Saul will pass away, and then I'll become king. Doesn't that sound nice? 
I mean, that's just the natural progression of one king passing his kingdom to another. But this wasn't David's story. And so there had to be some moments in David's life where he's going, how's this going to happen, God? Look, he hates me. He wants me dead. I can't even go back into the kingdom. I can't even be near the palace. I can't, I can't, I can't do all of this. But no, David says, my heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. It's fixed to the purpose. If this is part of the plan, then so be it. If this is what you're going to do, then so be it. I'm just going to trust you. I'm actually, you know what? Let me write a song. I'm going to sing. And I'm going to just sing praises to you in the midst of just all this turmoil. That's the, that's the choice that I'm going to make. And David sees time and time again that staying true to his purpose and the call that God had on his life, God had it all figured out. He got to see that each step of the way. Because when God has a purpose for someone, he actually calls, he actually will bring it to pass. He doesn't need our, our help our, our way, right? We just need to stay true to the course. And we see this actually in scripture with Noah um, as, as God chooses him to build the ark, right? Genesis 6 and 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And verse 9 goes on to say, Noah was a just man and perfect. If you look at that word perfect, we all go, oh, he never made mistakes. No, it means sincere. He was honest. He was honest with the Lord in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So Noah, before God looks at Noah and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose you, Noah was already had a relationship with God. He was already walking with the Lord. We then see that not only is Noah given favor by God, but the Bible says he walked with God. So God had a purpose for Noah because he was already walking with him. So, so that's, this is pretty neat. You just walk, and he's got purpose for you. And you can even ask, God, what's your purpose for me? Has anyone ever tried that? Ask God. What do you want with my life? What Here it is, God. I, I want to be used by you. So Noah desired the Lord, and he showed this through his obedience to God. God needs a man that, God needed a man that was willing to obey all his commandments, right? Because we see this when God gives Noah the blueprints for the ark, and he says, I want you, I want you to do it this way. And it says later in, in Genesis 6 and 22, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him to do. He didn't change a window measurement. He didn't say this board should, would look better off over here. He didn't change the size of a, of a um, stall that an animal was supposed to go into. Every specific thing God gave him to do. Noah followed it to the letter of the law. He did all. And if you look at obedience in scripture, partial obedience is not obedience. 
Some obedience is not obedience. A little bit of what God's asking me to do is not obedience. Obedience is full submission to what God has asked you to do. And so that means if you get on your knees and you're praying and you're saying, God, I want to do your will. And God says, okay, I want you to get rid of that in your life. And you go, um, I'm confused. Maybe that I didn't hear from God. I'm going to pray about that again for a little bit longer. And God says again, I want you to get rid of that. I want you to do this. A while back, I began praying and asking God, Lord, I want, I want to know your purpose and plan for my life. And God showed me praying in a certain place in my house. And some of you are going to think, that's silly. Like, why, why? I think it matters. He's saying, this is, you want to know my purpose? Pray there. In this exact spot. And I started doing that. And I started, I've started laying in my spot because I want to be there longer. So when I get uncomfortable, I just switch. I'm like, okay, God, this, okay, I'm here. And I will tell you, he shows up at that spot. I hardly have to say a word. I, I came in through one of the doors on my way to that spot and I could feel him already. I could sense his presence there because it's obedience. Because I, it's not my idea. I didn't say I'm going to pray in this spot and something's going to happen. God said, you're going to pray in this spot. This is where I'm going to meet with you. And I just did it. And so little things matter to God. When he's asking you, when he's impressing things on your heart, those little things matter. Make those changes. Make those little tweaks in your life because you're going to see a flow of the Holy Ghost just start to appear in your life. You're going to start to feel things in the Spirit. You're going to start to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And so I believe <clears throat> obedience is that form of submission. And I, I was listening on Wednesday night. Our bishop is talking right now on, on the power of submission in your life. Excellent, excellent. There is no substitute to submission, church. I'm telling you right now, the power of God will flow when you give men of God like permission to speak over your life, when you give leaders permission to speak over your life. There is something about submission that keeps your eyes obedient, it keeps your face and your gate set, and it releases, it's like a faucet in heaven where God's like, turn it on. She's doing what I, he's doing what I asked, right? And, and there's, these are such simple things, but they're foundational. They are the foundation on which you stand. I have a furry animal at home. And I don't know how many of you own dogs here, okay? How many of you used to own a dog maybe a long time ago and you don't anymore? Okay, so <laughs> if you have, maybe some of you have experienced what I'm about to, to tell you. Our dog's name is Blaze. He's awesome, okay? He's a German shepherd, and he's actually going to be eight this coming April. He's, he's just a really good dog. Um, but when we first got Blaze, we took him to the vet just to get him checked over. And, and the vet tech that checked him looked at my husband and I in, in the room and she said, okay, she's like, if you teach this dog anything, teach it the command, leave it. 
I was like, okay. She's like, you can, she's like, I teach all my dogs this. You can literally drop bacon on the floor and say, leave it, and the dog won't go after it. It's a good trick if you like are cooking and you drop something and you want the dog to not eat it, you know, teach it to your dog. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. I like that thought. So we went home and we taught Blaze the command, leave it. And it's, it's actually pretty cool. Okay. I mean, he's the coolest dog ever. I'm sorry for everybody else, but I own the coolest dog. But he, he actually like, I, I, he likes pig ears. They're like solid gold to him. Um, and if you have a treat that he really likes, you don't even really need to give him commands. He'll just do like six tricks right away and then sit down in front of you like, okay, ain't I awesome? Um, but he, <laughs> it's so true. Um, but he actually, I'll take that pig ear. I'll do all these tricks with him because he knows a lot. And then I'll take the pig ear and I'll say, leave it, Blaze. And I'll put it down on the floor in front of him. And he will not look at that pig ear. He will look at me. He's like, because he's waiting for me to say, okay. Right? But I, this is what I want. This is the next point I want to make is some of us are so busy looking at God's hands that we aren't gaining relationship with the Lord to even know what he wants from us. So we go, God, give me power. God, do these things in my life. I want to see this. I want to see you do this. I want to see you save my loved ones. I want and God's going, hey, up here, face, me. What about me and you? What about time together? What about intimacy? What about love? What about knowing who I am? Because knowing who he is, church, is the secret to the power. He will release power over your life as he knows he can trust you, as he knows he knows you and you know him. I said to God back in the office tonight, I said, God, you can trust me. You can trust me. I want to be trusted by you. I want nothing more than for God to look at me and go, that's my girl. And I want to look back at him and say, that's my God. And we have this communion together. Because how do I know? How do I know what the world needs and what the world wants and what someone's hurting over if I have no intimacy with my Savior? And so this is the new place God is trying to pull the church. And I felt this so strongly all week. God is saying, just get away with me. Just get away with me. Just come away with me, Becky. Don't worry about the power. Don't worry about who's going to get the Holy Ghost. Don't worry about what's going to happen with that Bible study. Just know me. Know who I am. Desire to know me more than anything else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I want to know you. I want to look to your face, God. Not to your hands, God. Hallelujah. David said in Psalms 27 and 8, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. David asked so many times from God, Please don't hide your face from me. Why did David say that? 
because he knew that's where the real connection was. God, please, God, do anything you want, but just don't take your face from me, God. Don't turn your face away. Don't harden your heart towards me, God. That would be the loss of all of it. David knew that. 2 Corinthians 7 and 14 is a, a verse we like to quote a lot. As, as church body, we say, oh, let's, let's humble ourselves and pray and what? And seek his face. He wants us to do this. This is part of your prayer time. This is part of, of your communion with him and your gazing upon him. Sometimes when I'm in that spot, I just lay there. Because you know what's incredible? His love when we, when we sit like that in his presence, his love has an opportunity to work on us. And we get to know his love. If I were to give each one of you a piece of paper tonight, and I were to say, write down everything God thinks of you. Some of us might start out really super spiritual and be like, oh, God just really loves me. He thinks I'm great. And then we might get to a spot where we go, you know, I'm not really sure. And the only reason I can say that is because I've thought that way for a long time. I've thought that I have to somehow gain his love. I have to do things. I have to be perfect. I have to pray a certain amount of time, and if, if I don't, I've somehow failed him. I know not everyone thinks this way, but a lot of us do. And it, it gets us in this place where we actually start to see God as maybe more of a taskmaster or an angry father or someone who just will never be good enough for. He's God, after all. He's so perfect. How could I possibly please him? How could I get to the place like David where I say, God, I'm fixing my eyes on you. I can't even relate with that. And we're worried. We're worried that maybe we're not performing. I've asked so many people, Do you, are you ready for heaven? You going to heaven? I mean, Christians. We've, I've had conversations with Christians. And they're like, I'm worried if I'm going to, I'm like, we think that way. We think, am I good enough? Have I, have I done enough? Have I operated enough? Have I, have I lifted enough heavy load to be good enough for the kingdom? And I know not everyone thinks that way, but I'm being really transparent with you when I say I have. I have. I've wanted to gain his love. But I'm telling you, when I sit in his presence and I just allow love to surround me, that's where you start to see, oh, he does love me. Oh, I am good enough. I am his daughter. I am his son. He does see me. He does know me. Can we lift our hands in this place? I don't know I don't know if I'm talking to someone or if, if this is just a struggle I've had. But you know what? I feel God is wanting to release somebody from that feeling of, of rejection by God. 
that God loves you. He loves you so much and his eyes are on you. And he says, just fix your eyes on me. Jesus, I ask right now, God, Lord, that you would just release tonight, God, your love into this place. God, as I have felt it so real, God, as you have swept in in such real ways for me, God. Do that for someone here tonight, God. Someone that's feeling like they're not worthy, God. Someone that feels that performance is more important than presence. God, I ask that rest would come. God, that refreshing would come. God, that you would begin to work in each one of us. God, to do something real, something new. Come on, can somebody lift their voice a little bit and just begin to cry? If it's not you, pray for someone who struggles with this because this is a real, this can be a real hang up in having a relationship with God. We can't have relationship with someone that we think is, is going to be a dictator to us or Lord over us, or wait for us to mess up somehow. Jesus, Jesus, you are worthy, oh God, you are worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God doesn't want you to glory in your own strength and abilities. He says, you know what you want to brag about? Brag about how well you know me. Brag about your knowledge of my love. Brag about past glories and victories that I have accomplished and won in your life. It's the reason David could sit in a cave and say with full assurance, my heart is fixed because you see, he'd fought the lion and the bear. And he'd come out the victor. He faced Goliath. And he came out the victor. You don't face those obstacles and come out and say, my God's okay. Yeah, he's all right. No, you say, my God is powerful. My God is mighty. My God can cast down any enemy, any size, any day of the week. He doesn't need the help of anybody. <laughs> How awesome is our God, church? That's the God you serve. You serve that God. 
I like the song. There's a song I listen to. It says, I might not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. And each one of us in this room tonight has our own giants and our own victories to conquer. And God wants to be with you as you face those things. Hallelujah. The knowledge of your God, the careful study of his face, this gives you a strength in Christ. It actually gives you a strength against your enemy, against the opponent. Paul, in his writings to the Philippian church, said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I want to know him, Paul said, whether it's good or whether it's bad. I'm not going to pick and choose. I want to know him in all of it, in every story, in every battle, and in every victory. I want him to be my God. Knowing Christ was about becoming a mature saint to Paul. He says, you know what? I don't want to drink milk for the rest of my life. I want to grow up and eat meat and be able to digest hard things. And as I laid on my bed last night, and I'm coming to a close here. As I laid on my bed last night, God showed me our church. And he showed me faces of people in this church. And, and I, I didn't feel particularly like it was the faces that God was pointing out to me, but it was that it was our church. And he said, I am equipping in greater ways. And what I think he's saying after I watch things like this morning take place in this church, we are going to need all hands on deck when it comes to the revival that is going to sweep this nation before Jesus comes home. And that means you are going to need to know how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You are going to need to know how to hear his voice. It's not going to be, oh, I think that was him. It's going to be, God just told me to go do this. I'm going. I'm about his business. Oh, you need me? God, God needs me over here. I'm, I'll be right back. I have something I have to go do. And you will be able to do it with such clarity because there's a relationship that is strong and in place. And I'm not saying, please don't, don't get me wrong tonight. I'm not saying you don't have relationship. I already told you I'm looking at the elite forces. What I'm saying is in greater dimensions. I'm saying God is looking for greater sacrifice. And we've been hearing it from this pulpit week after week as we've studied David. Deeper sacrifice, push yourself, move yourself, grow yourself, get yourself up, get up out of your grave, right? We sing that stuff, get up, get up, get up, get up out of your grave, right? Do we believe that God can actually use us though? And that's, that's what I want to settle and rest between your eyes today is he does and he wants to. And he's called you according to his purpose. 
And so, yes, the answer to that question is every single person, whether you're a licensed minister in this church or a leader in this church or not, every single one of you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And we're supposed to, right? We're supposed to covet earnestly the best gifts. What does that mean? Whatever, whatever one you read and you go, ooh, I think I like that one. That's the best gift because it draws your attention, right? And God wants to use you in that. And so I'm, I'm going to have a stand right now. Daniel 11 and 32 says that the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And I want to close with that tonight because this whole knowledge of God knowing who he is in your life and what he specifically wants from you, that, that can only happen personally, right? We have people that can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They can, they can speak things over your life, and that's amazing. But you have to say, say within yourself, God, you can use me. I was a little girl, and all I said was, God, pick me. It is as easy as that. You don't have to be a special person. You don't have to have some certain pedigree. You don't have to come from a certain family. You don't have to have a certain life story. Thank God for all of that because I'd have been disqualified by a couple of those, much less my attitude that God's had to deal with for, you know, the, from the moment I was born. He is always working on us, church. And that's what I'm saying there, there, is, there is no checklist for worthiness. It's not like he says, yeah, that person, no. He doesn't go down the line. He says willing, unwilling, willing, unwilling. That's all he sees is the willing heart, the desire, the fixing of the eyes. Can you be like my my beautiful German shepherd tonight, and instead of looking at the prize of the treat, look at your maker. He's the real prize. Your savior is the prize to be won tonight. Keeping your eyes fixed. Paul said that to the, to the Philippian church. He said, I count all things as loss. I don't I, don't, I couldn't gain anything through the law. I couldn't gain anything through my own understanding or my own knowledge. But all I know is Christ. My foundation is Christ. My life is Christ. My desire is Christ. He is my goal and he is my prize. And so tonight, I'm wondering... Is there someone in this place that's saying, you know what? You're right. I haven't seen myself the way God wants me to see myself. I don't even think God can use me. I don't think I'm worthy. But after what you said tonight, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm willing to say, God, try try on me. What about me, God? And so I'm wondering if, if there's some people that would like to come down here tonight and say, you know what, God? It's time. It's time for you to begin to work in my life. 
And then I wonder if there's some that are like, you know what? God's taken an alternate route. And I know I'm called, but it's, it's taken some time for him to manifest some things in my life. And I don't, I don't quite see where he's going. I don't quite see what he's doing. But I, I want him to use me. If we could have some of the ministry, I, I don't know, some of these that came down first, if they, we could pray with them if we could encourage, if, if you don't feel that, that I'm talking directly to you tonight, that's okay. God still has a purpose, though, for your life. And so I would ask that you would come down and pray and ask God to fulfill that purpose in your life. Because he wants to. He desires to. He desires to use you. He sees you. He loves you. I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to begin to lift your voice around this place. Jesus, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for what you want to do. And I can feel it right now, God. I can feel the authority of your presence in this place, God. That you are raising up some tonight, God, that maybe they've sat on the fence and they've been watching and they've been thinking, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can put my toe in the water. I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't know if God wants me. And tonight they're saying, God, I'm going to give it a shot. I want, I want to try, God, running and chasing after you and fixing my eyes on you. I want you to use me in these closing moments of time, God. Use me. Choose me, God. Pick me, God. Don't leave me behind, God. Don't pass me by. I want to be a part of the end time revival, God. I want to be a part of it, Lord. I don't want to be on the outskirts watching. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it. I want to be right in the middle of it, God. There's nothing I want more. Hallelujah. Come on, that's right, church. Can we lift our voices? Can we lift our voices if we have intercessors in the room? Can they begin to pray in tongues? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy, oh God. There is nothing I want more than you. There is nothing I want more than you, God. More of you, God. Less of me. Let me be obedient to the call. I want to be obedient, God. I don't want partial obedience. I don't want just a little bit of what you've asked me to do. I want all of it, God. I want to do all, God. And sometimes, God, I struggle. And sometimes that's hard. But God, I'm going to keep chasing after it. I'm going to keep pursuing it, Lord. I'm going to keep moving in your direction, Lord. Because I know there's nothing else. I know there's nothing else, God. Help me to be obedient, God. Give me an obedient heart. <laughs> 